Live from Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I feel like Devontae got doubled a lot in Green Bay, you know, uh, and Darren as well. So not necessarily. I think uh, I think we still got to go out next year, and um, hopefully, you know, we'll do that this week. This is unnecessary roughness. Here's your boy Q. My man Jared just walked up and got him a fanny pack, so he's rocking it. You could be rocking a fanny pack as well. Got the Topo Chico ladies walking around, uh, giving out samples. Hey, how you doing? We're hooking it up here at Buffalo Wild Wings. But yeah, you got it. Yours, man. I'm the easiest guy when it comes to giving stuff away. No, no, you don't have to work for anything. You don't have to fill out anything. Uh, it's like trick or treating, right? Exactly. But for for adults. <laughs> Thank you. I just got hooked up with some Hop Valley gear. Cool. I got me some bottle openers. I'm gonna need these tonight. That's for sure. Guarantee that on a Friday night. Yes, sir. So uh, come on by here. We're going to be here hooking it up uh, as we are each and every Friday at Buffalo Wild Wings. I've had some really good guests. John Shipley from Sports Illustrated joined us at 2.30. Cassie Soto, fantastic job from VegasNation.com at 3. You just heard from Vinny Bonsignor at 3.30. And coming up at 4.30, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, will give us a skinny on uh, how to win some money this upcoming weekend. We'll talk a little college football. We'll talk some NFL. But right now, wanted to uh, hear from Head coach Joshua Daniels, he met with the media early this morning. I never miss out on media sessions, but uh, I just wasn't able to uh, catch this one when it happened. But I caught it right afterwards. I was able to run it back and uh, break out some sound. And I want to want to get into it and want to talk about some of the sound. I've had a lot of people hit me up by way of Twitter, uh, which is good and bad at times. But, uh, you know, hit, hit me up and, and said that, hey, this stood out to me. This stood out to me. So I just want to go through what stood out to me from what head coach Joshua Daniels had to say. And I thought the first thing, and, and I've said this about coach since he's, uh, he, he's been uh, the coach of the team, is that it feels like he's really embracing being, being the, the head coach of the Raiders. And he really is embracing Raider Nation. And, you know, that goes back to what he said uh, following the game on Sunday against the Saints that, you know, I want to apologize to Raider Nation for that kind of performance. Well, we all know that Ray Guy – uh, passed away yesterday at the age of 72, the 14-year vet. Uh, he's a Hall of Famer. He's in six different Hall of Fames. We spent a lot of time talking about the late, great Ray Guy on the show. Well, he opened up his presser talking about Ray Guy. I just want to acknowledge that we lost a great one yesterday uh, in, in Ray Guy, uh, who is not only a Raider legend, but I think truly a unique talent uh, in our game, the history of our game. Um, uh, so on behalf of our team and our organization, I just want to express our condolences to his family um, and hope that they know that uh, you know, we're thinking about them at this difficult time. Um, you know, he's one of the truly great Raiders of all time, and uh, you know we're going to miss him. There you go. Head coach Josh McDaniels right there talking about the passing of Ray Guy and just opened up his presser like that. And, and you know, that's that's what he should do. And I, I thought that that was cool that he did that. And, again, we spent a lot of the time yesterday on the show and on the station in general talking about Ray Guy and the passing of Ray Guy and the fact that my man is the only punter, true punter, punter in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean, that's just wild right there to think that. And, and again, they, they selected him in the first round, and there was no argument about who they're going to pick. Number 23 overall, first round, you pick a punter, and everybody agreed. That To me, that still blows my mind. Yeah, I wanted to mention that David Hum, the quarterback who got knocked out of that Bears game, which they were saying 
the most violent game of all time. Tom Hum, his brother, he works here in the yep. building. So yep. I stopped him in the hallway and I was talking to him about it. He's like, yes, I was actually at that game. Really? And he says, it's 100% true that Ray Guy was not going in that game. <laughs> and it's just so funny where everyone, he said, yeah, it's the most violent game ever played. You should yep. look it up. And even Van McElroy yesterday on the show, everybody is saying that, hey, Ray Guy, he's a tough guy. But nobody wanted to play in that game against the 84 Bears. I'm I'm so glad you mentioned Van and Van McElroy, former Raider safety, a great dude. He uh, he joined the show yesterday to talk about Ray Guy and was you know sharing some stories about Ray. Uh, he won a Super Bowl with Ray and talking about he was a great player, but he was just a great dude. Well, Van actually sent me a text today and I thought it was awesome. He sent me this text just randomly about 10 o'clock this morning. He said, "So Q, and I'm going to try to edit this along the way, Q." I figured you might need a good laugh for the day, so are you ready? We were talking about Ray Guy. He will go to his grave having the largest um, body parts of any white man on planet Earth. Ha, ha, ha. He said when he and Derek Ramsey came into the shower area, everyone began to walk because it was embarrassing. LOL. I think that's hilarious. I think that is the funniest thing ever. Right? I just think that's the funniest thing to, you know, just to remember. Because, you know, we all have those locker room conversations and we all have those, oh, man, this, that, and the other. And it's just for that to be one of the memories that stood out from Van McElroy, I thought that that was awesome. And uh, for him to share that, I thought was cool. And so, uh, of course, I cleaned it up a little bit. But still, uh, I, thought, <laughs> I thought that was just, just funny. And, again, just kind of goes back to the nature of the guys in the locker room and how they were so friendly with each other and how they, you know, were all there for each other and had each other's back. And, you know, just when you start thinking, we start thinking of these players and we start thinking of Ray Guy and how great he was of a punter. But these guys think of, hey, I remember joking in the locker room about this. I remember joking in the locker room about that. That's the kind of stuff you're just not going to get everywhere. So I thought that that was really cool. And I told him, I said, I'm going to find some way to talk about that. I'm going to do it the cleanest way I know how, but I'm going to find a way to talk about that. So there you go. Uh, That was a little message, a little side note. Uh, pass along from Van McElroy. Now, to to what Josh McDaniels had to say about the team. You know, we've had people hit us up and ask us, you know, what, what went on in Florida? How do you think that the team grew from their time in Florida? Well, Josh McDaniels was asked, and I believe Hondo Carpenter is the one who asked him about it, uh, how or what the team learned this week from their time in Florida. There's a lot of us that have gone through ups and downs uh, throughout our careers, um, you know, and, and certainly, you know, it's hard to play a – perfect game or even a perfect stretch uh, during the course of a season. And I think that, um, you know, you go and we, we certainly didn't have our best um, in any capacity on, on Sunday last week. And I think what we all learned is that we're, um, you know, it's a resilient bunch of people, you know, and I say people meaning everybody, the whole organization, um, you know, determined to uh, really, uh, come back and, and learn from the things that we uh, that we didn't do well enough last week uh, to try to improve our football team. And I think you see that in the meetings, you see that in the practice, you see that in the energy that they've brought uh, to the practice field. Um, I think they're determined to try to have a great week. And uh, so far, we've had a really productive time here in Sarasota. And I think our our team is, is again, you learn from everything, uh, win or lose. And uh, I think that part of the process of getting better and, and trying to play your best at the end is going through some of these lumps and trying to become better for it. 
Head coach Josh McDaniels right there on what the team has learned in Florida and just kind of going through the ebbs and flows of a season. And obviously they're at a part of the season where they're not, they're not, have, they're not seeing the success that they want to see, and they're not seeing it at the rate that they want to see. But uh, they're not going to quit on the season. They're not going to give up. You know, again, they're going to take it one game at a time. Uh, I mentioned, you know, th- this game on Sunday. Yeah, it's a it's a must win. It's a must win for themselves just to feel like the process is going the right way and that they do believe in what's going on. And hey, yeah, we can go win a bunch of games. That's that's what they have to do, right? I mean, we can all we have plenty of time. Look, we do shows five days a week, do podcasts five days a week, you know, and then some. We got plenty of time to talk about playoffs. I'm just talking about seeing a win and then another win, and then another win. And then we can start talking about what they could be on the run for. But I just want to see a a really good performance from this team on Sunday. And them being in Florida for the week together, bonding together, uh, and continuing to grow as a team, I think is a big deal. And another question that was asked the head coach, Josh McDaniels, was about pressure and stress and you know, there's there's so many games left, right? We keep saying there's so there's a lot of uh, season left. But as Cassie pointed out when she joined us, pretty soon you're going to get to the point you're going to look up and be like, oh man, there's only two games left. There's only three games left. Oh man, it's at the end of the season. Oh, you're 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 welcoming in uh, the the Chiefs to Allegiant Stadium. This is week 18. I mean, sooner rather than later, it's going to go by. We've seen how quickly the season has gone by. So with every week that goes by, has Josh McDaniels felt like he needs to put a little bit more pressure, a little bit more stress on this Raiders team? I don't think adding stress is really a productive part of the process. Um, I think we all understand uh, the situation. I don't think there's anybody in our team or on our staff that doesn't understand the situation that we have in front of us. Um, you know, we, we are what our record is, and we know the only way to change that uh, is to work hard each day and have a productive process each day and ultimately earn the right to have a victory on Sundays. That's ultimately what we're going to try to do. I don't think going in there and uh, throwing chairs and screaming louder or uh, clenching my fists harder uh, or, or holding my breath and stomping my feet is really going to, you know, add anything productive to our football team. And uh, I think that I just, like I said, over time, I think, you know, giving them uh, solutions, uh, trying to put together a productive plan, uh, coaching them at practice, um, encouraging them to do the things that they're doing well, better, continue to do those better, um, you know, as we go forward and then try to identify some areas where we can fix and tweak and try to improve our team. And so, again, I just I never have felt like going in there and raising the stress level because um, that doesn't really apply to everybody. Some people might respond favorably to it, and there's others that might not. And so I think you really have to understand your football team. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I've seen a lot of urgency from our captains, our leaders, and our football team all together. And I think that's the right response, and hopefully they're, uh, they're seeing that from us as well. And there's Coach McDaniels talking about pressure and stress and if he's putting extra pressure and stress on the players. And I think the key thing that he said there was that, you know, if, even if he did do that, it doesn't work for every single player. You know, I mentioned it on the show all the time that I'm that guy that you can yell and scream at me and tell me whatever, this and that and the other. And, yeah, I mean, I might get my feelings for a minute, but I'm going to, I'm going to perform the way I'm supposed to. Like, I, I understand. It. I get it. I'll figure it out. But that doesn't work for everybody, and you can't talk to everyone like that. And, and it's a fine line of figuring out who reacts to what the way that they do, right? It's one of the hardest things to do when you're in any kind of form of management because you just want to react to whatever works best for you. But that might not work best for, 
Jared, or that might not work best for Demond, or that might not work best for Clay, or that you know. What I mean, it's like everyone is a different dude, and even though we all want everyone to be exactly like us and react just like us, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. And so, I can only imagine if in real life we deal with three or four people on the regular, dealing with all the people that you're dealing with in a locker room. So. You know, back old school football, what we love to see on TV and what we love to see in the locker room, a guy go in there, flip over a table and do this and that, and we're going to do this together. We're going to do this right. You know, that rah-rah stuff just don't cut it for everybody. Unfortunately, again, I love it, but it doesn't work for everyone. And, you know, these guys are professionals. These guys are, are – this is their job. And so a lot of these cats to are probably saying, hey, man, you ain't going to scream and yell at me. This is my job, right? I mean, I'm, I'm out here buzzing my backside, but it just ain't going to work. I came in. I did the work. What do you want? Yeah, I didn't expect right. the results. You remember the Dolphins earlier in the season? They took out, like, the um the ping pong table yeah, or the yeah, foosball yeah. table yeah. out of the locker yeah. room, and that made news. Right. I'm just It worked for them, but people just say, hey, to your point, like, you can't lead everybody the right way, but sometimes those moves need to be made. Sometimes you can't lead, you know, all 50 guys on the roster, you know, you know, including practice squad players and all that. Right. But you can't get in everybody's face at the same time. But sometimes those moves are needed to be made. Well, that's why you need the, the leadership of the players as well. Because the players, a, a Hunter Renfro or, or, I mean, let's, okay, a Max Crosby. A Max Crosby can go to a Chandler Jones and talk to him probably different than a Joshua Daniels can or a Patrick Graham can. Right? I mean, it's just it's different. I feel like you could talk to your peers a little bit differently than the coaches could talk to them. So uh, that's what he's talking about, about putting pressure and stress. All they can do is – lead them the right way or lead them the way that they feel like they need to be led and then hope for the best results and hope that the, the team, the self-leadership that they have also plays a major factor. Now, there's one guy that we all know is a dynamic player that hasn't been able to get out there. That's Darren Waller. He just hasn't been able to get out there. Uh, he's questionable for, for uh, Sunday, so we don't know. It'll be a game-time decision similar to what it was uh, last week against the Saints. So here's Josh McDaniels talking about uh, if there's an update on Darren Waller, but more importantly, he talks about the development of Foster Morrow. I do not know about Darren yet. We'll see. Uh, you know, we haven't got out to the practice field yet today, so we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, he's he's working extremely hard uh, to try to get back as soon as he can. I know that, and uh, nobody wants to play quicker than Darren does. Uh, so uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see how that progresses today on the practice field. Um, so I'm not sure yet. Um, and then I would say relative to Foster, um, you know, Foster's made a huge impression on everybody in our organization uh, since he got here. I, I've heard about that. And then obviously since I've been here, just the ultimate teammate, um, whatever you ask him to do, he, he'll be ready and willing and able to do it. Um, you know, will improve his, he's improved as a blocker, uh, good hands, uh, studies the passing game as much as he studies fronts and the running game and um, just a really eager, uh, eager young professional that continues to get better and better each day and um, really enjoy working with him. Great example for a lot of our players. There's head coach Josh McDaniels with a detailed answer on Foster Morrow, the tight end and where he's at right now. And of course, he's, you know, in the final year of his deal. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor talked to us earlier about Foster. And I'll say this, man, coming out of LSU, I know he didn't get used a whole lot as far as a a receiving uh, tight end because at that time, LSU didn't have that kind of offense. It was run, 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 run. Oh, yeah, we have a quarterback? Okay, we could throw the ball once. All right, run, 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 play defense, run, 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 play defense. Uh, Oh, yeah, we have a quarterback? Okay, we could throw the ball once. He never got that kind of work. And so ever since the Raiders drafted him and saw how athletic he was, I always felt like he had an opportunity and it seemed like there was a, 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 a little bit of a lull, 
especially when Darren went out last year and it seemed like, okay, here's Foster's opportunity. You just didn't see I didn't. He didn't take off like I thought he was going to take off. This year, I think he's done some really good things. I really do. And clearly he's impressed the coaching staff. So uh, he's, a, he's a hell of an athlete. I also think, and, and Damon, you've been in those conversations with Foster Morrow. I mean, he, you've been there after games, going back to last year when you were doing media relations. I mean, the dude is a sharp mind. I mean, he is a guy that he can he can break down he can break down the game like the best of them and, and really seems like to me from our conversations that we've had and I mean this in a in a media session type way, not a personal conversation, it really seems like Foster's a dude who would be really good for the team, not only as just a player, but also as a leader. Yeah, you're hundred percent right about that because is he ever gonna be as good as Darren Waller, or Travis Kelsey, or George Kittle? Maybe not. But when it comes right. to having guys that you want in your locker room, that you need in your locker room, and then you mentioned the media sessions, how he's very engaging. He's going to break down the ball and what he saw. Like, he's going to break it down. He's going to explain it to us. We don't understand football as much as he does, but he still makes it. He puts it in a digestible way that even a fan can understand. He's just one of those players where you can just say he's a good guy, but also you need players like that on your team. And you know what Josh McDaniels has done with multiple tight ends before. I mean, it's just it's, – it's no doubt about it. So, uh, the vision there – and you out of here? Right on, brother. Appreciate you. Jared's out of here. Jared's pops out of here. Appreciate y'all stopping by. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you've seen, you've seen the, 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 the tight ends, and you've seen how they're used when there's two of them that are really good. And we keep going back to, you know, Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and, and, and what it looked like, right, when they were in their heyday with the Patriots – so if, if Waller could get right, and I, I know that's a big if because we haven't seen it in a while, but if he can get right and you have a, a, a threat like Foster out there, man, I keep saying the offense could be dangerous. It really could be with that addition, you know, with that extra element. But, of course, everything's got to align. And when I mean by everything's got to align, I mean everyone's got to be healthy. So the Raiders are waiting on Waller to get healthy and then start to put in those double tight end sets and see how everything goes. Uh, a couple more uh, sound bites for you from uh, head coach Josh McDaniels as he met with the media earlier today. Again, you're listening to Unnecessary Roughness here on Radio Nation Radio 921 was a pretty important one, one that uh, multiple people hit me up on Twitter was like, man, Q, you got to talk about this today. Josh McDaniels is holding Derek Carr back. And I said, ah, that wasn't really the way that it was It was put out there. I know there's websites out there, there's Raider fan websites that put out stuff and say stuff on, you know, and, and interpret what they hear, what they think they hear. I like to actually listen to it, and, and we can all determine what we heard. So Vinny asked Coach McDaniels about Derek Carr, the authority he has at the line of scrimmage to change a play, what he can audible to. Does he have that, or does he have to run the play what Josh McDaniels called? So here's, here's McDaniels talking about what Carr can do at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of times, I don't want to give away uh, state secrets here, but um, a lot of times, you know, you know, and they think this is commonplace in the National Football League now. Quarterbacks will have more than one or two plays at the line of scrimmage because they called more than one play in the huddle. And uh, we've certainly used that and everybody knows we do that, you know. And so using one and and if it's the right look and then a second one, if it's a different look and then potentially even something else. Um, those are all things that we've been doing for a long time now here. Um, and I think the ultimate deal relative to changing uh, everything that was said in the huddle to something else ultimately comes down to the comfort level of the players and, you know, where they're at and their overall understanding of how to communicate that and, 
and when we know that all 11 guys could get it. Uh, and so have we had to do that a lot this year? Not, not really. Um, and that's, that's, that's the goal is we don't have to do it. Hopefully we, we try to put them in position to maybe, you know, have an opportunity to do some things that are pretty good, but every once in a while that's necessary. And uh, our quarterback certainly has the autonomy to do that. Again, most importantly, our offense would need to be able to handle it also uh, as a group. So very important what he said right there. And I know everyone's not going to take it, you know, the same way. And some are going to just kind of roll their eyes and say, yeah, okay, it's coach speak. But I'll say this. If all the guys don't know what's going on and all of a sudden you check out of something to something completely different, something that wasn't called in, in the playbook because Derek Carr at the line of scrimmage sees something and he tries to call it and everyone doesn't know what they're doing, you know what that's a setup for? Disaster. That's when you see guys run into each other. That's when you see two guys in the same spot and the spacing is not right because one guy is running something and another guy is doing something else because he's not quite sure what he's supposed to be doing. So when he says that, yes, you know, you can do that, and, and when it comes down to calling something that wasn't called in the, in the, uh, in the huddle, yeah, you can do that, but you got to do that when everyone is comfortable and all on the same page. So I'm not saying that the Raiders don't know what they're doing. I'm not saying that the players on offense don't know. Uh, what you know, what Derek Carr might call that wasn't called in the in the huddle, but if they don't, then that could be problems. And so you have to make for sure that these guys know exactly what's going on before you go that route and do something like that. Not saying that Derek Carr can't do it, and not saying that he hasn't done it. It's obviously not preferred, and that's just. I mean, I, I think that that's common sense. It's not preferred. There's a reason why they call plays. If they didn't, it would be something like, "Hey, just go ahead and whatever you're seeing, go ahead and call it in the huddle and run it." I mean, that's not that's not how. The game works. You know, that works in, in what we do when we go outside and play in the street and Vegas just, you know, pushes off on me and I tear my hands up. That, that's, that's when you call whatever play you want to. Just draw it on the back of the football. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not with the coverage calls. <laughs> there was no audible. Jason didn't audible at the line of scrimmage, right? They ran the play. No, but seriously, I mean, that's, that's basically what he's saying there. So I don't have any problem with that. And we know that all quarterbacks and, and all teams, they call a couple plays in the huddle and that's when you hear Derek Carr what does he say at the line of scrimmage all the time that people hear you can hear it as clear as day we're good we're good we're good that means okay the play that was called I'm looking at the defense yeah we can run that and be successful we're good that's what he means by that I'm okay with that I don't have any problem with that so whenever I see people hitting me up talking about oh Josh McDaniels was handcuffing Derek Carr not really not really but you got to understand what what you're trying to run before you run it you know, what do they say? you got to be able to walk before you can run. That's what they got to do. They've got to be able to do the basics and do what they're, they're, they're asked to do before they go and do something that, well, maybe everyone's not on the same page. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The final soundbite from head coach Josh McDaniels is kind of along those lines as well, and Vinny touched on it when he talked to us, uh, and it's about what Hunter Renfro had said. Hunter had told him yesterday that he wants to kind of get back to, you know, not really doing everything 100% exactly how the coach calls it, but being putting the Hunter Renfro – flair to it putting a little hunter renfro kind of wiggle to it and and without just going and doing something completely different than what the coach is calling so here's uh head coach josh mcdaniels talking about the wiggle room that wide receivers may have when it comes to a route or two 100 percent um i think there's certain things that uh, i think there's certain things that you have to do to to you know be on the same page with the quarterback and or protect the football from the defenders um but there's wiggle room in almost everything we do relative to the players being able to uh, have enough freedom to do their thing. Um, you know, like I said, not every route's the same, not every concept's the same. 
you certainly got to understand what those around you are doing, um, you know, because you can't have two guys running in the same area. Just, you know, um, it's not recess. You know what I mean? It's hard to it's hard to run an offensive system when you got four or five guys releasing in the pattern and everybody has the same level of freedom on every play. But usually there's multiple guys on a play that, you know, um, you know, we know the area that they're going to be in, how it looks, how they get there, what they do with it. Not always uh, critical that it's done robotically for sure. Uh, we've done that for a long time and we're, we're working through that now and, and trying to, you know, get on the same page, those guys understanding what they can and can't do. And then the quarterbacks always have to be tied into that, you know, and um, there's nobody more important than the passer in the passing game. And so uh, if he doesn't understand what, what's going on or he can't read the body language of the players that are running the routes, that would be the issue. Um, but no, we're, I'm having a lot of fun uh, coaching Hunter and these guys in the skill in the skill group in terms of just being on the same page and letting them try new things. Um, you know, ultimately it's their game. It's, it's their, uh, they have to feel good about what they're doing. And so once they do that, I know that, um, you know, everybody feels pretty good about what, what we got here. So there you go. Here comes Joshua Daniels talking about the, the routes that are being ran. Every, every wide receiver can't go out there and freelance and do their own thing because then again, you have that confusion that I mentioned earlier. You heard him mention it as well. Uh, wide receivers in the same spot, you know, guys uh, doing doing the wrong thing, and you can't have that. And on top of that, Derek Carr's got to know what this guy's going to do. The good thing is, with a guy like Hunter, if Hunter puts a little bit of extra flair on it, because they have that familiarity with each other, and they were all on the same page last year when it came to that, I think that it will work out fine. I really do. I don't have any doubt that Derek's going to know exactly what Hunter's doing. I think Derek's still trying to learn what Devontae does, even though they have that relationship going back to college. Like Cassie Soto said earlier when we, when we talked to her, that was college. That was many years ago. Derek Carr did it with Hunter Renfro, and they did it well a year ago. Yeah, what you say there, that makes so much sense because college, it's – what was that for those guys, 10 years ago at this point? I mean, at least, right? Yeah, I mean, at least Derek's 10 years league, ago. What, nine years? But the, my best part about Josh McDaniels in that clip there is that he said, hey, this isn't it's – not, it's not like recess. Right. Where it just goes to the point where yeah. I feel like, you know – I think that, you know, we all we all say that, hey, they don't listen to it, but he's hearing the criticisms. Mm -hmm. But with the offense being so complex and people said it, it's like learning a different language. It's like calculus. We know we know that for these guys that, hey, it's a little bit more than the standard NFL offense. So I know no one wants to hear give it time, trust the process, all those cliches. But all of that matters because, like you said, you can't just go into the huddle and call a play. Let's say if it's an actual playbook. Hey, if Derek's calling something on page 64 and you haven't made it to that page of the playbook yet, well, that play is useless. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. It's so funny you mentioned no one wants to hear uh, trust the process. Man, Matt Rule used to say that all the time. I mean, all the time. Every press conference he had when he was the head coach of Baylor, when I got to know him, he used to say that all the time. And, DeMond, people would call into the radio show every day and be like, the hell with the process. I hate the process. The process sucks. Send this guy because, you know, he was an East Coast cat. So he's like, send this cat back to the East Coast. He's not from – and it's so funny, you know, because in Texas, man, if you ain't from Texas, and I know because I'm not, <laughs> but if you ain't from Texas, man, you, you – boy, oh, boy, you really got to prove yourself to be okay. And they used to, he ain't from Texas. He ain't going to be able to relate to these players, right? And, oh, man, they were so mad at Matt Rule that they, uh, they couldn't stand Matt Rule for the first year probably the first two years, and then all of a sudden he got him to the Sugar Bowl and was like, oh, he's great. Then he got, you know, the job as the Carolina Panthers. 
it's good riddance. It's about time we got rid of that Yankee. You know, I mean, all this. It, it was, <laughs> oh, dog, it was hilarious. But that's what he said all the time. Trust the process. Trust the process. And people hate to hear that. No, and, and that's in life, man. No one wants to hear you got to go through the process. I, I, never, I never wanted to hear, oh, Q, you got to trust the process going through, you know, my career. I, I, wanted, to, I wanted it all right now. But that's just not how, how it works. What's up, boss? But I do Chill, want man. a better counterpart for my uh, trust the process <laughs> saying, you know, because you said Matt Rule was like, mm, do I want him to be in the same boat as Matt Rule? Right. Uh, well, give yeah, me a better well, example of someone yeah, that always says trust the process. didn't work in the NFL. <laughs> Matt Rule's process did not work in the NFL. It worked. You, yeah, you can take anything you want, my man, anything. Anything you see on this table, you can have. Yeah, uh, his process didn't work in the NFL at all. Uh, but he'll get another college job and he'll be good to go. Uh, but man, it's it, it's so funny. That's like the one thing that fans never want to hear is trust the process. And uh, I'm not here to try to sell it to anyone at Raider Nation. Raider Nation is going to feel the way that they want to feel, and I don't, I don't, I don't blame them for that at all. Because the process, from a fan's point of view, and I can take myself out of the on the radio or doing podcasts, I could just put myself sitting in the Oakland Coliseum. The process for the Raiders has been going on for a very long time. Right, uh, the the fan base has been dealing with the process of the Raiders for a very long time, and damn it, it's about time for that process to pay off. Right? I mean, that's what everyone feels like. It's not about well, it's a new regime, so we got to start over. It's no, it, look, man, they don't get a they don't get a refund on their money on, on their on their you know season tickets when a when a regime change comes. They don't like reset the money. Well, let's bring it back down. You know, what I mean, like that's that's how fans look at it. Like, wait a minute, you know, I know everything's new, but I'm not new. I'm not new to this, so. Again, totally understand uh, what's going on. So there you go. 428 is the time. That was from head coach Josh McDaniels. Sound bites from his uh, media session that he had earlier today. When we come back, my guy Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com, he'll join the show. He'll talk all things money lines. We'll talk a little college football. We'll talk some NFL ball. We'll see what he thinks. Raiders and Jaguars, who's going to win the game? What is the line? I think the, the Raiders are fair by a point and a half. That's not a lot. It's just about a pick em, especially since they're on the road. So we'll find out what Lee thinks. We'll do it next here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's time to take a look at the lines that can help win you some money with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Brought to you by Joe's Stone Crab, located inside the Caesars Forum Shops, here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And Lee Sterling joins us now on the phone lines to talk all things money lines and how you can win some money this upcoming weekend. And, Lee, we do appreciate you as always. We are officially in week nine of the NFL season. The Eagles topped the Texans on Thursday night football. Uh, they're the only undefeated team. They're sitting there at 8-0. and What do you think about the Eagles just moving forward? Not a surprise they beat the Texans, but they're sitting there at 8-0. How are you feeling about the Eagles? Really good. I mean, they are. You talk about a team that's really shored up all their weaknesses, and Jalen Hurts is, he is good. I mean, <laughs> you, now we found out, you know, sometimes yeah. teams bail on quarterbacks too soon. In year three, he's figured it out. He's tr- not trying to do too much. You saw like Davis Mills. You watched him. And how about on that interception? He's trying to do too much. Yeah. Sometimes just throw the incompletion, take the snap. Learn to, to fight another day, and that's just the development of quarterbacks. It doesn't happen overnight for most quarterbacks. So the moves they made in every single position, they are strong. I mean, I don't see a weakness on this team. I mean, unless someone plays their best game, I don't see anyone knocking them out in the NFC. I mean, it could come down to them in San Francisco. That would be a whale 
of an NFC championship game. Yeah, no, it really could be. And, you know, I, I look at Dallas, I look at their defense and say, you know what, they could probably hang with them as well, but they've got to have, like you said, a perfect day offensively as well. So that's going to be yeah. interesting, man. So shout out to the Eagles in there at 8-0 on mm-hmm. the season. Let's go and jump into some games that are going on this weekend. Again, Lee Sterling is our guest from ParamountSports.com here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Let's look at the college game first. How about TCU? Want to talk about teams that are undefeated? They're undefeated on the young season. Minus nine and a half versus Texas Tech, Big 12 action. What are your thoughts on this one, Lee? Okay, so if Texas Tech was playing at home, I wouldn't probably go against them. (laughs) But on the road, they are just not a good traveler. And we've seen what good teams and teams that are disciplined can do against Texas Tech. Dave Aranda, what did he do last week against the Texas Tech offense, which has some really – high highs and some really low lows. Well, maybe the lowest of Saturdays. Dave Aranda's defense induced Texas Tech and their two quarterbacks into five interceptions. And get this, 12 for 38 Mm. throwing the football. Um, That's horrific here. I love TCU quarterback. I call him Cool Hand Luke, (laughs) Max Dugan here. 22 touchdowns, just two interceptions. I think he's right behind Hendon Hooker for the best quarterback college football. Uh, I think eventually they're going to lose. It might be Texas next week or the Big 12 championship game, but not this week. At home, they're going to lay it on Texas Tech 48-28. Boom, there you go. TCU getting it done there in Fort Worth, getting it done at home as they're rolling right now on this season. Sonny Dykes looks like he's really got things going with the Horn Frogs. That's the college game here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio 920. Again, Lee Sterling is our guest. Let's go ahead and turn our attention to the NFL. How about the Dolphins? Want to talk about a team that can get on a roll? They're uh, looking pretty good as well. You know them very well. They're going up against the Chicago Bears. Uh, the Dolphins, minus five versus Chicago. Thoughts on this one, Lee? All right. The best way for Chicago to move the football is run it. Mm-hmm. And then when things break down, Justin Fields probably making plays with his legs. I don't think their passing game is there yet. They did look good against New England. Justin got rid of the ball early, and uh, his offensive line has not been good protecting him. When he has a clean pocket, top five passer in the NFL, when he does not have a clean pocket, bottom five. I think the Miami pass rush is going to be there, obviously. The move to get Bradley Chubb, huge move there. And uh, Tua completing over 70% of his passes since he came back for almost 650 yards and four touchdowns in those two games. Those two guys, Waddle and Hill, almost unguardable. We're finding out also, if you have fantasy teams, everyone said, oh, don't ever pick two receivers on the same team. Well, they debuffed that myth. Uh, (laughs) So this Miami team is dangerous here. Uh, The two opponents that have even better running backs than Justin Fields, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Dolphins beat those two teams. Keep riding the Dolphins for one more week, 34-20. Boom, 34-20 over the Bears. And, yeah, uh, their running game for Chicago is good, obviously led by Justin Fields. We saw that against the Cowboys. But once they got to throw that ball in the air, and if they're any kind of uh, trouble in the pocket, as you mentioned, man, Justin Fields is going to have a struggle. So there you go, Dolphins minus five versus Chicago Bears. Talking about all things betting lines here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Lee, as we close things out, we got to close them out with the Raiders. They put up a stinker last week against the Saints. Can they bounce back against the Jaguars? Right now, the Raiders minus one and a half versus Jacksonville. Break this one down. What's your thoughts on it, Lee? 
that was an absolute stink bomb. Yep. That was one of the worst performances. It was like they were going through a scrimmage, you know, in front of like three or 5,000 of their fans. I, I don't understand it. Um, sometimes just you can't explain it. You just move on. Right. So here's what you have. Jacksonville's look good. Um, they've got some weapons. Uh, Etienne at running back is scary good. Uh, running and catching the ball out of the backfield. Trevor Lawrence has his moments, but he also, young quarterback development, makes some mistakes, tries to do too much. So I don't think he's there yet. Uh, you know, they're still trying to figure out their passing game, who's going to be their guy. Uh, tight ends have not really produced much yet. I think Vegas bounces back here. I think they're going to be able to run the ball on Jacksonville. Maybe special teams is the difference here also. I'm going to take Vegas. They bounce back here 27-23. Man, that's a close one, but they need to bounce back in a major, major way after, like you said, that stink bomb that they laid last week against the Saints. I'm just assuming that was a bad day to have a bad day for the Raiders. Well, there you go. TCU uh, over Texas Tech, Dolphins over Chicago, and the Raiders over Jaguars. Lee Sterling is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Lee, anyone wants to reach out to you, get some more information from you, what do they need to do? Well, we're going to try to keep rolling 10 out of 12 winning weeks. Anyone wants to get involved? We have our college football game of the year. We had our NFL game of the year last week with New England. We won. We rate our games from 10 to 50 units. We won that 50-unit best bet. We are now, get this, 54 and 18 the last 12-plus years on our 40 to 50-unit plays. 50-unit college football game of the year ready for release now. You want to jump on board? We call it not November, November. You can get the entire month in November and there's even games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays with Maction, uh, just two ninety seven, just one place, ParamountSports.com. There it is, right there. Well, Lee, great stuff as always, man. We always appreciate your insight on this Friday as we prepare to head into the sports weekend. So, uh, thanks for everything, my man. Enjoy the weekend, uh, enjoy the games on Sunday and uh, all weekend long in particular. But uh, appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, you too, Kip. There he goes, Lee Sterling, right there, ParamountSports.com. On Twitter at Paramount Sports, every single Friday he joins the show to give us a little bit of a breakdown of a college game and a couple NFL games right there. When we come back, again, we're at Buffalo Wild Wings. Just got a few more minutes left in the show. Tomorrow, what we want to do and what we're going to do, one, we'll go over a couple text messages that we got. So I want to go over that at 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, sponsors still needed, so if you uh, want to sponsor the text line, you can. But, uh, yeah, hit us up with your texts. We'll get them on. But I also, DeMond, I want you to accept this challenge. You have to uh, look at... There's a there's a Raiders rundown on the end of on the last page of our rundown that we have for the show. There's a bunch of facts from what to watch for to defense to in the trenches to special teams. I want you to go over that and find one or two that stand out to you the most that you want to bring to the show as we close out the show for this weekend. It pertains to this weekend's game and the Raiders in general for the season. I'll grab a couple. You grab a couple. We'll do that and get to your text as we close out the show. 150 East Centennial Buffalo Wild Wings is the spot with Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 150 East Centennial. That's the spot. Buffalo Wild Wings. We're going to be here for a few more minutes, and I've just about given away everything. I've done a really good job of giving away just about everything. We've got a couple shirts left. 
a couple tickets left, and that's about it. And so we're doing everything we can to make sure everyone leaves with something. So if you want something, you got a couple um, a couple minutes to come on by and say what up, and we'll definitely take good care of you. 4.46 is the time here on Radio Nation Radio 920. And that's Roughness, DeMond Cotton. He's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm here at Buffalo Wild Wings. Now, I did want to get to a couple tags, a couple tweets before we close out the show. And uh, DeMond's got – appreciate you, brother. Thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. DeMond's got a couple little uh, facts that he wants to provide as we close out the show. I'll, I'll provide a couple facts as well. But I got to this uh, tweet that I, I saw from uh, Silver State and Black. He said, we stink. Jags will be in that ass 24-9. That was the exact quote of his tweet. We stink. Jags will be in that ass 24-9. So in a very respectful way, because that's who I am, I said, let me ask you this in all seriousness, not arguing, just asking. What makes you think it's going to shake out like that, that the Jags are going to put a whooping on the Raiders? Again, just asking the question. Lawrence chimed in. Bro, it's the Raiders. Their inconsistencies. Memories of their pre-Gus Bradley defense. Memories of Gruden's first-year coaching. It's like PTSD for me at game time. Silver State and Black responded, our defense can't stop a third grader from crossing the street, and Well Carr is 59-75 as a starter. I've seen this movie before. Another Raider team jumping in the tank. Lawrence fired back. I decided to take a two-year approach, let the growing pains play out, and hopefully they can look like competitors for a leading stadium Super Bowl in 2024. So Silver State Black and Lawrence on Twitter think that the Raiders are going to get beat down by, uh, by the Jaguars on Sunday. I, I don't think that that's going to happen like that. Uh, I don't think that the Jaguars are just going to uh, lay down either. I think they're going to be very competitive. You know, earlier today in the show uh, when we were talking and we were talking to John Shipley about the Jaguars, he was talking about how, how consistently they get to the red zone. Well, the, Ra- the Raiders have had issues stopping teams from scoring in the red zone, so that's going to be something. I'm definitely going to be paying attention to that. But uh, I think it's going to be a very competitive game. But as I said all show long, and I think everyone who's chimed in on the show, if the Raiders go out there and play with attitude, play with a little bit of sense of urgency, winning games shouldn't be a big issue. I mean, again, I, I feel like this team should win games if they live up to the level of, of, of who they are. And I know that, you know, as, as I've seen over the past few weeks, the talent may not be as high as I thought it was heading into the, state, uh, the, the season. That's fine. That's fine. It doesn't have to be up to the level of what I thought it was. They can still win games. And so I do believe this is a game that they should win. And if you look, you spent a week in Sarasota, Florida to prepare for this game and you can't go out there and compete and, and win a game. Or if you get beat down, like like my guy says, Silver State and Black and then Lawrence think 24-9. I mean, that's that's a whooping, right? If that happens, then there's really some serious issues that need to be addressed in a major way. And I don't know what those are. I'm not calling for anyone's head. I'm just saying that there's some serious issues that need to be taken care of. So uh, good stuff right there. Appreciate the appreciate the tweets, a couple texts. Mailman Raider Q, check your side for your bag before Jared leaves. Well, Jared already left, but he actually left my backpack. He didn't steal it. He wasn't the black guy with the tan, the tan coat, according to the LAPD. <laughs> That's so funny. I'll never, ever forget that. He'll never live that down. The LAPD really tried to convince me that Jared was the black guy with the tan jacket on that stole my backpack. And I was like, Jared has... That guy has a black, uh, a, back, uh, a tan ja- a jacket on, but he's not black. No, he is. You sure? Okay. I was like, okay, <laughs> okay. I don't know the guy that's staying in the Airbnb with me. You're right. I don't know the guy that came in the car with me. You're right. I don't know. You go ahead and point him out to me. Oh, there he is right there. Yeah. Okay. Jared. <laughs> the definitely Best not detectives on the case. <laughs> <laughs> right. I knew then. <laughs> that's <laughs> And that's when I knew it was all bad. <laughs> uh, Fargo Raiders said Q and DeMond. Maybe it's time to go in there and pull that damn PlayStation out the locker room. Just win, baby. 
There you go. Uh, Vegas Pete said if team continues to put eight in the box, they should throw to set up the run. Vegas Pete asked Vinny about the Lakers' poor start. I don't want to do. I don't want to do, do Vinny like that. Ask him about the Lakers' <laughs> poor start. Mom accused the Laker fan too. I don't want to rub salt like that. Cold game. Sir Whiskey Ray uh, had a text for you, Demond, about your uh, your your interaction with Cassie. Speaking for all Mexicans, we are very hot and spicy. Sincerely, Taco Bell, Speedy Gonzalez, and Latin, Latin Rollerblading Skate Club from Sir Whiskey Ray. That's that's all you, Demond. That's all you, brother. You know what? Well, first off, you know everybody always says Taco Bell isn't authentic Mexican it's cuisine. It's not. But I love it. Anywho. <laughs> There you go. There you go. I'm not mad at that. Uh, and one more text. Mailman Raider. The Raiders are 2-1 and one with Jacob says over 100 yards. The lone loss being the Kansas City game, which we almost had 0-4 below 100 yards rushing. Get Jacobs over 100, and I like our chances. That's good stuff. That's good stuff, and I agree uh, 100% with that. So there you go. So now, Damon, we have a couple more minutes left in the show. You got your Raider rundown page for week nine. What is something that stood out to you when you were going over it? Can't miss Carlson. Kicker Daniel Carlson has now made each of his last 39 field goal attempts dating back to week 8 of the 2021 season. His streak of 39 consecutive makes is currently the longest active streak in the NFL and fifth longest in NFL history. I can't believe you picked that one. I thought it was very interesting. It's very interesting, but that's a jinx. I knew I, I knew you were going to say that. That's a terrible. That's like when that's like when uh when a player goes to the free throw line they're like, "Man, he's 98%. He hasn't missed He's forty-five in a row free throws. Brick, brick. That was that was a that was a Carlson jinx right there. So Raider Nation, if Carlson misses a field goal <laughs> on Sunday, it is one hundred percent squarely on Demond. But if I, he makes I two, you were, I was going to avoid that one like the plague. I should have told you that. I was going to avoid nah. that one. It's like talking about a no hitter. Nope. It's like talking about a no hitter while it's going on. You can't do it. Now I'm so, the guy. I would go talk to the pitcher. I'd be like, "Hey man, you in zone tonight." <laughs> hey, by the way, I know it's the bottom of the eighth and there's two outs. You know you got a no-hitter going? Man, I ain't never, ever, ever seen you pitch like this. <laughs> you would be that dummy that say something like that. I don't know if you know, but you got a no-hitter going, man. It's Whatever like, you're doing, keep it up. Man, all you need to do is get three more outs, and that's a no-hitter. <laughs> that's what you would do something like that. That's hilarious. Good stuff. All right, there you go. So, again, you're the guy. All right, for me, what I saw that I th- that stood out to me, we were talking about Josh Jacobs and him running. With one rushing touchdown, Josh Jacobs would become only the 15th running back in NFL history to record seven-plus touchdowns in each of their first four seasons. Ten of the 15 running backs to accomplish that feat are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. With 96 yards, Jacobs will surpass Darren McFadden, 771, for the second-most rushing yards through eight games in franchise history and the most since 1997, Napoleon Kaufman, 896. So there you go. Nice little nugget right there for Josh Jacobs. He needs one touchdown, and he needs 96 yards. If you go back to what Mailman Raiders said, they win games when he goes over 100 yards. So how about we just round it up to a smooth 100, get 102, so he goes over 100 yards, and he gets a touchdown, and he can run into Raider history. How about that? That sounds good, too. And one that I will pick that's not a jinx is, hey, Devon Diablo, I mean, getting a lot of tackles. Yeah, I saw that. But is that a bad stat, too, that Devon Diablo no, is no. getting? The thing I, I, I don't like about that is he's getting a lot of those, and I say this with all due respect because I'm a big fan of Kirk Morrison. He was getting a lot of those Kirk Morrison tackles where, unfortunately, a lot of times he had to chase the play down, right? And even who was the other guy that the Raiders had not too long ago that was the – and he ended up uh, – 
Rolando McLean? No, 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 no. He mm. was a bust for the Raiders. Um, he was the guy that was – he went to Carolina because he played for uh, Matt Rule when he was in tem- uh, at Temple in college. Um, he was a linebacker that the Raiders had that had a ton of tackles, but a lot of them were tackled from behind. Like, he had to go and catch up to the play. He was a good guy. He, he started a lot of games. Like, he was a good dude. He just – a lot of times he had to tackle from behind. Uh, I feel like Devon Diablo is doing that, and that's a good stat, but a lot of them are tackles that – you know they're they're not they're not tackles at the point of attack if that makes sense. I forget who the the one tack the one uh, linebacker I was talking about. I know somebody knows. Oh well, I'll come up with it later. But anyway, so that's that. Um, one more stat for me on the offensive side. This is called run stuffed. On the offensive side of the ball, the Raiders' offensive line has excelled at creating holes in the run game this season. Raiders' running backs have been stuffed for no gain or a loss. Only 25 times in 2022. That is the fewest in the NFL. So there you go. Going to ride that out. Josh Jacobs and the run game. Make it happen. Raider Nation, enjoy the game. 10 a.m. kickoff on Sunday right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. We'll be back on Monday, and hopefully we're talking about a victory. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you.